Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned and unmerited favour, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Glory be to God. I, allow me just to quickly get into the, into the word today. We are continuing today as we continue to deal with this great subject uh, that is not an option for a believer. That is not an option for a believer. Prayer is not one of those things that you say, I may want to do it. But a prayer is a demand for a believer. It's a necessity in the life of a believer. So we are continuing as we deal with the subject of prayer uh, are titled The Influence of Prayer. Somebody say The Influence of Prayer. Uh, tell somebody next to you and say The Influence of Prayer. And we are very grateful to God that last Sunday we, we started to deal with the, this subject of the influence of prayer. And our focus is just on three specific areas which are called the three P's of prayer. The three P's of prayer. Anybody who remembers the first P that we started to deal or started to talk about last Sunday? The place. The place. And I'm grateful to God that last Sunday, that's what we considered so much on. And my, my heart was, was battling that should I, should I just join the last two together, the last two, two P's. And, and I feel that there is, there is no rush to it. So I'm just going to deal today with just the second P, which is the preparation. Are you going to help you guys? The, the preparation. Uh, the preparation. Thank you. Technology. The preparation. Somebody say the preparation. So the three P's of prayer. Number one is the place of prayer. And number two, it is the preparation to prayer. And number three, it is the participation in prayer. So number one, it is the place of prayer. And number two, it is the preparation to prayer. And number three, it is the participation. Now, it is important for you to know the place. It is important for you and me to know at the place. And when we know the place, then we need to prepare ourselves so that we can get to that place. Now, preparation will be of no help if you are not going to participate, right? And I'm pretty sure that most of us, we have uh, undergone preparation for exams or preparation for interviews. Now, if it ends on preparation and then you don't go to the interview, the preparation becomes meaningless. Amen and amen. Now, if, if you make all preparations, if you make all necessary preparations to go to Zimbabwe, and then you don't actually go. The preparation becomes meaningless. So the reason why we are having to take some time to go through these three P's of prayer, it is to bring you to a place where you can participate. Where as a believer, you can participate in what? You can participate in prayer. And I remember last Sunday saying, as a believer, don't be one of those believers who's always reminded to pray by, prayer, by problems. Don't wait for problems to remind you the necessity or the need of, of prayer in your life. Amen and amen. 
Now, when we talk about preparation, when we talk about preparation, I've come to understand that the chief goal of any kind of preparation is acceptance. The chief goal of any kind of preparation is for you to come to a place where you can be accepted or where you can become qualified. If you are doing preparations for an interview, all you want is to be accepted for whatever post you're applying for. That is why you, you have to sleep late even though you like to sleep. That is why when you are preparing for exams, you, you, that's the only time you, you realize that you've got power over sleep. Why? Because you want to attain a certain qualification. So the chief goal of any kind of preparation, it is to bring you and I to a place where we are accepted or where we are qualified. And it is the same thing with prayer. There is need for us to be accepted when we come to offer our prayers unto God. Because it's not every prayer that is accepted. And I'm sure by now you can agree with me and you can understand me. That is not every prayer that you have made that has been accepted. I'm not talking about those prayers that haven't been answered that are going to. But it's not every prayer that is accepted. Why? Because it is possible to pray the wrong way. James says you do not receive because you pray amiss. It is when you are not praying according to the will of God. That prayer will not what? Will not be answered. So the reason why we are having to spend time dealing with the influence of prayer, it is to bring you to a place where when you go on your knees and you open your mouth and you throw your hands in the end to surrender and you are offering your prayers unto God, I'm trusting that may your prayers be accepted. May you come to a place where your prayers are what? Are accepted. When you go to the book of Genesis chapter number 4, we hear of two men who went for a time of prayer. Cain and Abel. Cain went and he offered his sacrifices. He gave his prayers unto God. But his prayers were not what? They were not accepted. Not only were the prayers rejected, even the Bible says, even Cain himself was rejected. But my prayer that may you be the able of this time. Where when you go on your knees, you are accepted, number one. And number two, your prayers will also be accepted by God. Now, last week we discovered that the place of prayer is called the altar. Uh, talk to me, church of God. The place of prayer is called the altar of influence, of, of incense. The altar of incense. And we discovered that the altar of incense is found in one place. The altar of incense is found in Bedford. At Pastor Danny's house. So if you want to offer any prayers, you want to go to the altar of incense, you have to come to Bedford. <laughs> no, that's not it, isn't it? The place or the only place where the altar of incense was located or was positioned, was placed, and it was in the tabernacle. Now, 
when God was prescribing to Israel how Israel was supposed to worship, he gave the model or the picture or the pattern of what is called the tabernacle of Moses. That is in Exodus chapter number 24, 25, and a few chapters down the line. Now, when you come to this tabernacle, there were three areas that comprised the tabernacle. The first one is what they called the outer court. Somebody say the outer court. And number two, there was what they called the, the, the holy place. And then from the holy place, we have what they called the, the holy of holies. Just three of them. Number one, the outer court. And number two, the holy place. And number three, the holy of holies. Others, they call it the most holy place. Now, when you look at these three areas, the outer court was the outside part of the tabernacle. But the actual tabernacle itself, it had two compartments. There were two rooms to the tabernacle. The first room you would enter was the holy place. And then from the holy place, you would enter into the room that was behind the curtain. So if you imagine this room as the holy place, and behind the curtain is the holy of holies. And what separated the holy place from the hall of holies, it was a curtain. Right? Now, starting from the outside, outside, which is the outer court, there were two pieces of furniture that God prescribed to Israel as part of their worship. The first one was called the altar of burnt offering. Somebody say the altar of burnt offering. That was the first place you would come to every time you come to worship God. And from the altar of burnt offering, you would come to the brazen lava. Somebody say the brazen lava. The brazen lava was a big dish which, which, which had water in it. And this is the place where the priest would come and wash their hands and wash their feet. So on the outer court, two pieces of furniture, the altar of burnt offering, this is where sacrifices were offered unto God. And number two from there, you'd come to the brazen lava. This is the place where the priests would come and wash, cleanse themselves with water. They would wash their hands and they would wash their feet. And from there, you would enter into the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, there were three pieces of furniture. There was a table on one side. It's called a table of shewbread. They would put bread on it. And that was the bread which was consumed by the priest serving in the tabernacle. On the other side, there was what they called the golden lampstand. The purpose of the lampstand was to give light in this room. Was to give what? Light in this room. And then in, right in front, just before you enter through the curtain or the veil, there was the altar of incense. That's the one that we're talking about. There was the altar of incense. Can, can you see the picture now? So coming from outside, coming from the car park, what you would see was the altar of burnt offering. And then from the altar of burnt offering, you would come to the brazen lava. From the brazen lava, you enter the tabernacle. And the first room you'd enter was the holy place. Inside the holy place, on one side, there was the table of shewbread. 
on the other side, there was the golden lampstand. And right in front of you was this altar, which was called the altar of incense. Now, if, if you were to be the high priest, you had the privilege of going through the veil into the other room, which was called the most holy place. Now, that room had only one piece of furniture, which was called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in Israel. The Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in Israel. Why? Because of what it spoke or it stands for. The Ark of the Covenant, it stands for the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant, it spoke of the glory of God. The Ark of the Covenant, it spoke of the fullness of God. That's what the Ark of the Covenant represented. So, to have the Ark of the Covenant in their camp, it means they had God in their midst. It means God was in their presence. It means God was with them. But the absence of the Ark, it indicated that they were just by themselves. And it is my heartfelt prayer to you as a believer that wherever you are, make sure that the Ark of the Covenant is there. Never be in a place where the presence of God is not there. Whatever you do, ensure that the Ark of the Covenant is, is, is part of your daily life. Now, coming back to this altar of incense. We discovered that the altar of incense was prophetic in nature. Because the altar of incense, the one that is inside the tabernacle, right in front of the curtain. That altar of incense, we say it, it speaks of, number one, speaks of Jesus Christ. And also speaking of the ministration of of prayer or the ministration of intercession. And the reason why we started to speak about the place is because the priest, they only prayed when they came to this place. That was the place where the priest would come to offer prayers unto God. The rest of the Israelites, they would pray outside the camp, outside the tabernacle, in their camps. But only the priest would enter into the holy place and offer what they called incense on this altar, which was symbolic of prayers unto God. Am I with you today? Am I with you? And they would offer prayer unto God. So the altar of incense, it speaks of the ministration of prayer. Number one, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our greatest intercessor. Hebrews chapter number 9, I think. Hebrews chapter number 9, if I'm not mistaken. Or 7, verse number 26. It says, we have Christ who is able to save us completely. Christ is able to save us completely or perfectly or eternally. How, does, how, does he, how, how is he able to save us completely? Because he lives to intercede for us. The reason why Christ is able to save us completely is because he lives to intercede for us. Romans chapter number 8, I think verse number 26, it says, when we do not know how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So, number one, when we're talking about the altar of incense, it speaks of the ministry of Christ as our chief intercessor. 
But now, you've got to realize that whatever Christ is, that is exactly what a believer is. Why? Because you are in Christ. I think James, uh, sorry, First John chapter number 4, uh, I can't remember verse number 17 or verse number 19. It says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. Now, if Christ is our intercessor, that means the believer who is in Christ cannot afford not to have intercession or a prayer in his or her life. That's why at the beginning I said prayer is not an option in the life of a believer. Prayer is a necessity. Anything that falls in the category of want, the things that you want, there are things that you, you want them but you can do without them. Are we together? You, 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 want, you want an iPhone 7, but the reality is you can continue breathing without an iPhone 7. It's a want, right? But there are what are called necessities in life. Now, necessities, now these are things that you cannot do without. You definitely need them. Definitely need them. You cannot do without water. Yes, you can push yourself for a few days, but ultimately, you cannot do without. You cannot go for 365 days without water. It's impossible. But you can go for 365 without Instagram. Hallelujah. You can do, why? Because it's, it's not a necessity. Because things that are necessary in your life, you cannot do without them. And here's what I'm saying to you as a believer. Prayer is not something that you want to do. It's something that you need to do as a believer. It's a necessity in your life. It's a necessity in your life. So when it comes to coming and standing before the altar of incense, it's not something that you say, ah, I feel like doing it today. Ah, whether you feel it or whether you don't feel it. A believer who is a priest in the New Testament must come and stand before the altar of incense. Prayer must be part of your life as a believer. I remember last Sunday I was saying the quickest or the easiest way to become a weak believer. Just become prayerless. Ah, it's very easy. It's, it's one of the easiest things to do. If you want to walk out of power, if you want to drain power out of you completely and, and, and take power out of your, of your life, if you, want to, if you want to drive away wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in your life, then just become prayerless. Ah, it's, it's very, very easy. It's very easy. But if you want to become powerful, then it's, it's important for you as a believer to engage prayer in your life. And we learn this from Jesus the Christ himself. He valued prayer in his life. Prayer was a necessity in his life. That's why the Bible says he frequently withdrew himself from the crowd. And he went into a quiet place just to pray. Now and again, you hear the scripture saying, and Jesus would go in the mountain to pray. You would hear the scripture says, and Jesus spent the whole night in the mountain praying, not sleeping. Why? Because he realized that prayer 
is a necessity. Can you tell somebody's next to you and say, please pray. Tell them prayer is a necessity in your life. Now, when it comes to preparation, when it comes to preparation, which is the heart of my message today, when it comes to preparation, you've got to understand that there are requirements that you must meet. Whenever someone is preparing for an interview, there are some requirements that you are trying to make sure that you what? You meet. And when you meet those requirements, you know that you'll be qualified. You will be accepted. Now, it's the same thing with prayer. It's the same thing with the old of infants. You don't just come from nowhere and just rush and dash yourself into the holy place and just find yourself standing on the altar. Ah, there, there is a preparation to prayer. There is a preparation to what? There is a preparation to pray. Every time you want to pray, you must prepare to pray. Why? Because preparation indicates that this thing is important. If it's important, I will prepare for it. And the reason why all of you are so important, if you want to see how important you are to me as your pastor, or to us as your pastors, with minister, just say to pastor, we're coming to your place. I tell you, you want to know who cleaned the house. It won't be ministering. I'll clean the house. I'll do the cleaning of the house. Preparation, because the important people that are what? That are coming. I'll push all the junk away. Uh, I did it in the storage. No, I did it in the bedroom. That's <laughs> what a lot of people do, isn't it? Every other room will be looking very good. And the only room that that is a, 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 a sign that is not written clearly. And uh, what, what's, the, what's the title? What's the, there's a statement that I'm looking. You know, you know, back home when 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 you are passing through these big farms, trespass will be prosecuted. It's not there on your door, but you know that if you trespass, you'll be prosecuted. And it is in that place where all the stuff will be shoveled in. But, but what I want to get you to attention is there is a preparation that we will do because you're important. And, and it's the other way around, isn't it? Right now, if I just say I'm coming to your place after church, you will lose fellowship. You would rather not have tea after church. <laughs> to go and make sure that, you know, <laughs> everything is what's fine. It's preparation. It's preparation. And we are saying, if prayer is that important in our lives, then there's a need of what? Of preparation. Now, there are three preparations or there are three requirements to prayer that I want to bring your attention to. And out of these three, I'm going to concentrate on just two of them because the other one, it's, it, it is part of the participation as well. So, <laughs> The first requirement, the first requirement is what I call the requirement of incense. The requirement of incense. Somebody say incense. Why? Because we cannot call it the altar of incense if there's not going to be incense on it. Otherwise, it's just a box. Right? If we are going to call it an altar of incense, then there's a requirement of actual incense. Now, incense was made up of spices. 
I'll dig more on this one next time when I, when I talk about the participation. There were five different kinds of spices. Actually, there were four different kinds of spices which they had to mix with salt in order to produce this perfume, this incense, which when, when, when you take it and then you put it on fire, it would produce perfume, a sweet fragrance. That's what the incense was. And that is the first requirement. And I'm not going to talk so much about that one because I'm going to spend time on it next time. The second fire is the requirement of what? The requirement of fire. Now, in order for the altar of incense to begin to function, there must be fire on this altar. The fire that is supposed to burn the incense in order to produce this sweet smell. The sweet perfume in the house. There is need of fire. But then preparation or fire, the requirement of fire is not done on the altar of incense. You don't, you don't start the fire on the altar. But the fire that kindles the altar of incense is, must be taken from outside the tabernacle. Can I, can I repeat that? Because I really want you to get that. In the same way that when you're going for an interview, you don't prepare inside the interview. I don't know in English how I can put it. There's a statement in Shona that we used to say, I query. Can you translate this for me? That's direct translation. A cow is not fattened at the market. You know, if you want to sell a car, a cow, you don't start feeding it on the actual market on the day and expect it to, to gain some <laughs> you don't expect it to, to gain the weight and to look good on the day because you're feeding on the same day you need to have done it before right so it's the same thing with prayer when it comes to the fire for the altar the fire you don't just happen to find fire there you, you must have brought the fire from somewhere now, remember when I'm talking about the outer court, there were two pieces of furniture on the outer court, right? Anybody who remembers them? The altar of burnt offering, which was the first one, and the second one, the brazen lover, which was a big dish where the priest would wash. Now, coming to the first one, which is the altar of burnt offering. Now, that day when God called Moses on Mount Sinai, and he said to Moses, I want you to tell the children of Israel to build me a sanctuary. Exodus 25, verse number 8. Tell the children of Israel to build me a sanctuary. And he begins to, to give details of the tabernacle. One of the pieces of furniture God gave details to was the altar of burnt offering. It was the first piece of furniture you would be confronted with every time you come to the tabernacle. It was the first piece of furniture you would see as soon as you get into the outer court. That's just the first piece of furniture you'd see. Now, this altar, I said it was an altar where sacrifices were offered unto God. They would come and they would slaughter the sacrifices, lay them on the, on the altar, and then fire would burn. And it was that smoke that would rise. And that smoke is what God accepted as prayers to him. You remember that day when Noah came out of the ark? 
The Bible says he offered sacrifices and that sweet smell from the sacrifices, it got into the nostrils of God and God began to speak to Noah and he began to confirm his covenant promises to him. It was after the sacrifices had been offered on the altar. So I'm saying to you, now when Moses had finished constructing the tabernacle, in Exodus, when he had finished everything and he has done the inspection, the Bible says on the day of dedication, on the day that they were dedicating their church to God, the Bible says, and they offered sacrifice on the altar, and God himself sent fire, not from Chipinge, but God sent fire from heaven. And it was fire from heaven that came and kindled the altar of burnt offering. Now, when you come to Leviticus chapter number 6, verse number 12, God now begins to give instructions to the priest. And he's saying to them, this fire that has come down from heaven, it must not go out. And God gave the responsibility to the priest to make sure that the fire on the altar should not go out. So what would happen? The priest would wake up every day in the morning and they would go and add more wood on the altar. In the evening, they would go again at 3 o'clock and offer more wood so that the fire which was started by God would not go out. Would not go out. Now, what the priest now would do, every time now they had to go and offer prayers unto God, every time they had to go and stand before the altar of incense, because the altar of incense, it requires fire. The command of God says now, you must take coals, live coals, from the altar of burnt offering outside. Carry them into the tabernacle. Into the tabernacle. Carry them into the holy place. And the same fire from the altar of burnt offering is the fire that must ignite the altar of incense. Can, did you get that? Can I explain it another way? Is it clear to you? Because I really want you to get it. I, I wish if I had pictures, it was going off. Thank you. Whew. If you can go back to the previous slides. Right. That's the picture of the tabernacle. That, if you see that white fence around, it was a linen curtain. Now, inside that, that is what they call the tabernacle. Now, where that arrow is pointing to, that is the altar of burnt offering. That was the altar of what? Of burnt offering. Now, that is the altar I'm saying on the day of dedication, the fire of God from heaven, it came and it kindled the altar. And it was that altar with the red arrow that God said, the fire on this altar, it must not go out. It's the responsibility of the priest to ensure that the fire keeps going. So they would take the coals from that place and take them into the temple. Take them right inside the temple where that veil, that red veil is showing. That's where they would take the, the coals to ignite the altar of incense to ignite the fire, the altar of incense. Now, this was of great importance because when you come to Numbers chapter number 16, we hear of the sons of Aaron called Nadab 
and Abiud. Nadab and Abiud. Please don't give your children those names. My God, amen. The two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abiud, in Numbers chapter number 16, the scripture says, one day they got so mischievous and they went into the temple and they went straight to this altar of incense. When they came to the altar of incense, they did not bring fire from the altar of burnt offering from outside, but they brought another fire and they offered it here and they ignited the altar. Not with divine fire, but with what the scripture says, strange <laughs> fire. Remember, I'm saying this is a place of what? Of prayer. So they are trying to ignite prayer the wrong way. With something that God did not prescribe. I just pray that you get this one today. And the scripture is very clear that God was not pleased with Nadab and Abu. And what did he do? He killed them on the spot. They died there and there. Because of disobedience. Because of disobedience. Because they brought another fire on the altar of incense. Now the scripture talks of two things that it classifies as strange. Strange fire and strange incense. Because on that day when Korah and his friends, when they rebelled against Moses, they came and they offered strange incense. They offered strange prayers. <laughs> and God was not pleased. And what did he do? He opened the ground and there was a rift and swallowed in there and God closed it. Sounds like a Nigerian movie, isn't it? They offered strange incense. God opened the ground. Life continued. There was great fear of God to Israel. Now, there are some things that you don't need to play with in your life as a believer. There are some things that you cannot afford to play with. They are very important when you understand them as a believer. So, when you're coming to the altar of incense, you've got to realize that the fire on the altar of incense is, it must come from the altar of burnt offering. Now, can I connect the two? The altar of burnt offering, the one outside here, is a picture of the cross. Because by definition, an altar, it simply means lifted up. That's what an altar means. Somebody say lifted up. That's the definition of an altar from, from the Hebrew perspective. It means lifted up. The Hebrew, the, the Greeks, they would say it's a place of, 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 of offering sacrifices. But the Hebrew, they say, when you talk about an altar, they say it's a lifted up, lifted up. That's why God was not happy whenever Israel offered sacrifices on high places. Because the only high place Israel must have was the altar. So every time they went and they began to worship Baal and they began to offer other sacrifices, the Bible says they went and offered sacrifices on high places. These are other places that God never prescribed. 
Because the only place Israel was supposed to offer sacrifices, it was on that altar of burnt offering. Now, altar, it means lifted up. When you come to the New Testament, John chapter number 8, verse number 10, it says, Jesus was talking to his disciples and says, when the Son of Man shall be lifted up, he shall draw all men unto, unto me. And the next part, it says, by this he meant the death that he was going to die. It meant the death that he was what, going to die. So you find the fulfillment of this Old Testament altar now in Jesus Christ. So what the altar was to Israel in the Old Testament is exactly what the cross is to a New Testament believer. So when you are looking at that altar of burnt offering outside, it is a picture of the cross. So as sacrifices were brought and offered on this altar, they were pointing to Jesus Christ, our one and ultimate sacrifice that was going to be offered on Calvary. As the sacrifice unto God. And God is saying, it's the fire from this altar that must kindle, that must ignite the altar of incense. So I'm saying to you as a believer, when it comes to preparation of prayer, what must ignite your prayer? It is the finished work of the cross. What must ignite prayer in the life of a believer? It is what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, on the altar of burnt offering. Am I with you, church of the living God? So, when it comes to preparation, you cannot afford to jump and find yourself on the altar of incense, bypassing the altar of burnt offering. Because you are going to need the fire from the altar of burnt offering to ignite the altar of incense inside the room. And the challenge that we're having, and the reason why a lot of prayers don't work for many believers, is because they are crossless. Can I explain that? I know it's a word that you'll not find in the dictionary. It's a prayer without the cross. It's a prayer that doesn't have the finished work of the cross in it. And, and, and once you try to attempt to do that, the scripture says you're bringing strange fire. Because you're bringing something else that God never prescribed. So when it comes to preparation of prayer, church of the living God, you've got to understand that before you enter into the prayer room, your, your, your preparation must pass through the cross of Jesus Christ. You must be fully acquainted of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Why? Because on the altar of incense, that's the, it was a place of exchange. Instead of you dying, it was the sacrifice that died for you. So the moment you offer your sacrifice, the moment you offer your sacrifice on this altar, the moment you offer your sacrifice on this altar, the one who has come to worship God now begins to have a confidence in him or herself. That you know what? My sacrifice has been accepted. So that means when the blood which is going to represent me is going to be taken inside the temple, I am accepted already. I am accepted already. Why? Because the cross is a place of exchange. Instead of you dying, it was the sacrifice that died for you and me. It was, it was Jesus Christ who took your place. 
instead of you dying, Jesus Christ came and he died for you. So you should have all the confidence that if Jesus Christ was the acceptable sacrifice to God, that means I am accepted. You are accepted. So when you get now into prayer, you should not lack confidence to approach the throne of God to obtain mercy and find grace to help you in a time of need. Why am I saying this? Because the greatest challenge you have when it comes to prayer is your mind. Do I have some real people in the house? I, I've been there and I continue to pray. The Lord help me. Have you ever gone on your knees to pray? You pray the first minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for... And then you find yourself on the fifth minute. But you can't even remember what you said from the second minute to the fifth minute. Because your mind was somewhere else. Yeah? It's, it, it strays away. And then for other people, you kneel down to pray. The first thing that comes back to your mind is you are saying words to God, but your mind is somewhere else. Your mind begins to remind you of your old life. Anybody who's there? You are trying to pray to God. You're trying to concentrate on God. You're trying to offer your incense to God. But your mind is torturing you to the point where you begin to feel disqualified. To the point where you begin even to confess the things that you confessed a long time ago. It's your conscience. It's your mind. It's your conscience that is troubling. It's your conscience that is troubling you. But what I like about the cross, what I like about the altar of incense, is when I come to this altar of incense, according to Hebrews chapter number 9 verse 24, it says the blood of Jesus came and it paged our conscience. It cleansed our conscience from dead works. It, it paged our conscience. It cleansed our conscience from dead works. So that when I'm approaching God, I have all the confidence. A lot of people, they lack confidence in prayer. That's why Hebrews chapter number 416, it says, let us therefore approach the throne of God with confidence. Let us therefore approach. The reason why the scripture would emphasize confidence is because there's a trouble of confidence. There's an issue to do with confidence. Have you ever been asked to lead, to lead intercession and then you think, hmm. Oof, you won't tell people why. You won't mention why you are trying to step back. And other people are smart enough, they'll say, you know what? Mm. Give me another time so that I have got time to prepare. If you're not careful, your conscience can disqualify you from standing on the altar of incense. But what I like is that God has put a provision for you to be able. And the provision is the altar of burnt offering, the cross. Because at the cross is a place of exchange. That is where I'm leaving my past there. That is where I'm leaving my failures there. That is where I'm leaving everything that has disqualified me. And when I'm leaving that place, I'm not leaving that place with my own qualifications, but with the qualification of Christ. So that when I enter this place of prayer, I'm coming here not on my own merits, but on the merit of Christ. So my conscience will no longer condemn me. 
Why? Because the cross has dealt with everything. That is why it's important when it comes to prayer to confess every unconfessed sin. But where do you do that? It's at the altar of burnt offering. On the cross. Because the cross speaks of cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is where our sins are washed away. That is where our sins are forgiven. So before you offer your prayers, start with forgiveness. Start with repentance. Hallelujah. You start with what? Repentance. And the repentance happens at the cross. That's where sins are forgiven. There's nothing that stands in the way of your prayers than an unconfessed sin. It stands in the way. So every time you try to go and offer your incense with, that, with an unconfessed sin, it simply means you have bypassed the altar of burnt offering. You have bypassed the cross. So repentance is very important. Repentance is of great importance in your life. Don't, 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 don't make your prayers become powerless because you are trying to ask God to do things when you are not in right standing with Him. Yeah? There's, there's a very good culture that our, our elders do, and I'm sure elder can agree with me. You know, every time they come to church, they go on their knees. I used to wonder, why do they do that? Until you begin to understand the power of confession. Lord, I've come in your house. If your servant has done something that doesn't please you, forgive him, Lord, that I may be able to worship you. I'm coming to the altar of burnt offering. I'm making myself right with God. So that when the time comes for me to offer my sacrifice unto God, for me to offer a sweet fragrance unto God, sin is not diluting. Sin is not contaminating my prayer. So don't allow sin to stand in the way. So the preparation to prayer, the preparation to prayer demands us to come to the altar of burnt offering. And the altar of burnt offering is the cross. So in other words, I'm saying, don't make prayers that are crossless. Don't make prayers that are not based on what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Even when you have done something that is not right before God, that is not the reason for you not to have confidence in God. And this is how you would pray. When you have wronged God and you have done something that you know that God is never pleased with it, you first come to the altar of burnt offering and say, Father, I thank you that you have made provision for people like myself. That when we sin, when we go astray, you have made provision for your blood to cleanse us. And I'm coming on the altar of burnt offering. I'm coming to the cross. I'm coming to the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for me. He shared his blood so that I can be forgiven. And Lord, I'm coming to this altar that you may cleanse me. What are you doing? You, you are coming to stand. That's preparation. That is preparation. That is preparation. That is preparation. There's one statement that I want you to get before you go home. Here's it. That sums up everything. It says, the cross gives validity to a believer's prayer. 
is the cross that gives validity to a believer's prayer. Somebody say after me, the cross gives validity to a believer's prayer. That is important. The validation of your prayer must come from the cross. What must make your prayer accepted or authentic? What must make your prayer powerful? It is the cross. The moment you take away the cross from your prayer, the moment you take away the cross from your intercession, it's not going to work. You can say words, but James will say, you do not receive because you pray amiss. And I wonder what is going to happen in 2019. When you allow the influence of prayer to work upon your life. Where you bring everything to the finished work of the cross. When you are invited to pray for someone who is not feeling well. You come to the altar of incense, of, of burnt offering fest. And say, by his stripes, I declare you healed. By his stripes, that means I'm coming to the cross because it was on the cross where he received the stripes. It was the crucifixion where he got the stripes. So in other words, I'm coming first to what? To the altar, to the cross. And then from the cross, I begin to offer the incense unto God. I declare you healed. Lord, I speak grace upon this person. I release favor from on high upon this person. But what have I done? I have come from the cross first. And the basis of the prayers that I'm offering to God, it is nothing else but the cross. My confidence is not in my words, but it is in what Jesus Christ has already done. Am I speaking to somebody in the house this morning? The influence of prayer. The influence of prayer. And as I close, can I say to you, from this altar of, of burnt offering, they would go to this brass and lava where the priest would wash their hands and their feet. The New Testament says we are washed by the waters of the word. Of the word. Of the word. So the blood, the blood is what you find on the altar of burnt offering, but you find water on the brass and lava. So outside the two pieces of furniture, the altar of burnt offering where blood was shed. And then there's the lava where they would wash with water. So you find blood and water. Not water and blood, but blood and... You start with blood, the cleansing of your sins. And then with water, water speaks of the word. So that's why it's important for a believer to be wordful. Because the word cleanses you on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the word that cleanses you. Have you ever discovered that the more you get yourself in the word, there are some habits that you stop doing. You're being cleansed. And the more you avoid the word, the more bad habits come back, multiplied, shaken together, and running over. Yeah? So a wordless believer will struggle when it comes to prayer. But when you soak yourself daily in the word, you allow yourself to be cleansed in preparation of prayer. In preparation of what? Of prayer. So soak yourself in the word. Soak yourself in the word. Dip yourself in the word. Throw yourself in the word every day of your life. You don't have to start big. Start small. Yeah. 
Don't start with five chapters per day. Because if you miss the third day, that means the following day you need to catch up with ten chapters. And then what happens? You feel discouraged. And then you say, ah, I'll start next year. I'll put it on New Year's resolutions. And then you spend the whole year not praying, not reading the word. But if you start small, yeah, just start with one paragraph. Start with one verse. And that one verse will, will trigger you to want to read another verse. And then from one verse, you go two verses. And then in no time, you're actually reading, oh, five verses. And in no time, you're actually reading one chapter per day. And, and you keep growing, and you keep growing, and you keep growing. Start small. That's my advice to you. Start small. Start with one chapter. Start with one chapter per day. And see what happens. It does work. Me, at the moment, I'm reading the book of Acts. Every day, I make sure that I read one chapter per day. It's amazing. It's amazing the things that God begins to reveal to you. In your life, I'm doing this not to preach to you. For me to grow. The preaching is something else. For preaching, I'm looking for influence. But for my own growth, I'm in the book of Acts. Lord, grow me as an individual. I'm coming to the brazen lover. Brazen lover. So I'm saying to you, the preparation that you need in order for you to stand and offer incense unto God, you need the cross, you need the blood, and you need the word. Isn't it amazing that when you come to the New Testament, on the cross, we see the, brass, the old of burnt offering and the, old, and the brazen lover in Jesus Christ. Yeah? Isn't it amazing that on the cross, the Bible says when the soldier came in and they took the sword and they pierced on his side, and the Bible says, blood and water flowed from his side. A fulfillment of the Old Testament, of the altar of burnt offering and the brazen lava. A fulfillment of us being cleansed by the blood and by the word of God. What if you take advantage of what Jesus Christ has done? So that when you get into your prayer room, when you begin to offer incense after you have passed through the, the cross and, and you have passed through the brazen lava, and when you get in here, your tongues will begin to make sense. And power will begin to flow from your tongues. When you say, Raboko, I tell you, things will begin to happen. Because nothing is standing in the way. Nothing is standing in the way. And I'm grateful to God that I'm standing in front of powerful prayer warriors whose prayers are invincible. Ah, am I talking to you this morning? Ah, I believe that today I'm standing in front of people who are not easily intimidated by situations of life. Why? Because they know that they've got the power of prayer behind them. When, they, when, when, when something happens at work, you know that I, you, you just chill down. And say, ah, wait. <laughs> just, just wait. You don't even shout. You know, like we do Africans. Ah, inside there. I release a change of atmosphere this week. And at that time, the manager is breathing fire. But you are so calm. You just take yourself to the altar of incense. Lord, I thank you. I command a change of atmosphere in here. I speak a miracle in here. Everything is changing. Everything is turning around. What they are planning, 
for evil against me. Lord, I thank you that you are turning it for my good. <laughs> you are not reacting to the problem, but you are, you are responding to God. At home, things are not so well. It just takes one who says, God, I thank you. The devil is defeated. The enemy has no room. He has no power over my marriage. He has no power over, over our finances. Lord, I thank you. What are you doing? You're taking yourself to the altar. You're taking yourself to the altar of incense. You're not panicking because you've got confidence to approach the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. You're confident. You're confident. And I'm grateful that I'm standing in front of people that are powerful. I'm standing on, in front of people whom the Bible says, you, Elijah was just a man like us. Uh, I, I'm grateful today that I'm standing today to the people in the class of Elijah. People who can command rain to stop not for three days, not for three months, for three years. And at their word, the rains come back. That is, that is your class. That is your class. Tell them you're in the class of Elijah. Yeah, tell them you're in, you're in, the, you're in the category of Elijah. Don't reduce yourself. Don't lower yourself down. You are in the class of the Elijahs. When you speak, things happen. When you declare, things must happen. Why? Because you are coming from the altar of burnt offering straight to the altar of incense. And there's no demon from hell should be able to stand against you. That is why every Sunday we almost sing and say, and if God be for us, who can be against us? What can stand in your prayers? Nothing. The only thing that can defeat you is your conscience. If you haven't taken it through to the cross, where the cross must page you from the conscience of dead works. But I want you to boost your confidence today. When you go on your knees to pray, I want you to know that nothing is standing in the way. And for you as a New Testament believer, I want you to know that even the Prince of Persia, we had the power to hold Daniel's prayer for 21 days, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, your prayer is untouchable. Your prayer is invincible. Your prayer is, is irresistible. And your prayers are not going to be delayed in the name of Jesus Christ. Do I have people that believe that this is, this is my portion in life? Do I have people that believe that this is, this is my portion in life? That, that is why for me, when you call me and you say, I'm not feeling well, I, I, I just take time to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If he's saying, tell them it is well, it, it is well. And I'm confident in my God that it will be well. It shall be well. And those, those, those that I've prayed with, those I'm praying with, every time God says, tell them it is well, I don't move from there. Even when I get a bad answer, I still stand on because I know it's coming. The confidence is in God. Can I ask the church of God to rise on their feet as we come to the close? Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.